Sounds like you're having a day. <laughs> See, I knew better than to fall for it, Laura. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you're right. I just thought I'd, I'd start us off with a patriotic trumpet. Oh. Oh goodness! Yeah. That's, that's a way to start the show. I've 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 got a thing for everyone today. I want to start with something. I've got the best email in my inbox today. Ooh! So I got this email just before we started recording this the the show today, and I've never heard a PR person be so scared and vague to tell me about their product while it being exactly a product that I am like very thankful they sent me a link to. It was quite the ride. So the subject line of today's email, cheeky game for adults. Ooh. Ooh. So I'm like, I mean, that's in my wheelhouse. I play video games. I have a show about pornography. I, you know, sometimes talk about weird sex games on this show. You're an adult? So you're in the demo. Yeah, I'm an adult. We're, we're all adults here. We're all allowed to play cheeky game for adults. Oh, God, we're all in this market. Yeah. Yeah. So here's just an email I got today. Mm-hmm. Hello, Laura. I hope you're well. I'm working on a brand new game which has gone viral. Firstly, I must apologise if you feel this does not suit your publication or your sensibilities. Fucking hell. Yeah, that's the first fucking line. It's like, hell. I'm going to tell you, they don't tell you what the fucking product anywhere is until you click their mysterious link. So like, let me just keep going. Yeah. I do have some samples which I can send you with no obligation to feature. It is a fun game, very rude and quite unique. The game is here. Mysterious Link. Worth $24.99, and it's a two-player game, which is entertaining, fun, and very rude. Once again, I apologise if this doesn't suit. Please let me know if you need anything, and I hope I have not offended you by sending you this link. Take care, person from global media PR company that has emailed me. Like an actual, like, this isn't like like an in an indie developer just emailing their cheeky game for adults. No, 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 this is <laughs> like, um... <laughs> like PR agency of the year 2018 sent me this like okay. we're a bit scared to send you this email that's like how I talk to strangers like like just compulsive apology for existing like yeah it's <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure you want someone with that level of anxiety and self-loathing to be a public outreach they're really, really just like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I, I, I apologize. This might not be for you. And I'm sorry <laughs> I mean, if, it, if it doesn't suit you. I'm sorry. They've been lumped with a sex game, but they're embarrassed. Well, see, here's the thing. I didn't know what this was. And then when I clicked the link, I was like, oh, I have seen this thing going around. I'm just going to tell you the title of this. It's called Come Face Game. Oh, hello. Oh. <laughs> see who has the best action. Who will make the cum pump first? Interesting. Um, can you tell me again the title of that game? Cum face game. Cum face game, is it? <laughs> oh my. It is, uh, this is not what I expected. <laughs> no, this is not what I expected. Holy shit. Well, fuck. Where- Am I offended? <laughs> I might be offended. <laughs> Holy God. Cum face can you, game. Can you see why they were cautious to send it to me? They're like, look. I can see why they'd be cautious to send it to anyone. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon the... Oh, God. <laughs> oh, the intent look on Tom Holland's face. Oh, so this is... It's 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 blue and... It's purple and pink dicks on a, on a plastic base and you jerk them off to get them to squirt in your face as fast as you can. That is... That is worth $24.99. I'm getting it. You put a liquid in and you try and jerk it fast enough that you get squirted all over your face. Game of the year. Just game of the year. <laughs> So I, I, I read the page for this and my favourite part is, you know, you pour the liquid into the hole between the two shafts. We advise water, but any safe to consume liquid can also be used, which Ooh. I took to mean you can put your own jizz in there. Yeah, you could. Yeah. I guess you could put your own jizz in there. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind <laughs> that they intend for someone to store up their jizz <laughs> to fill... <laughs> A double-ended cum-pumping game. Do you know what other wonderful games they have here that are very creative? Because they make other games, this company. Oh, so what you're saying is I might 
want to put more things in the basket before I check yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, don't don't check out until you've heard all of their offerings. Okay. There's also bigger or smaller. <laughs> it's a card game where there's a stack of pictures, just just photographs of dicks, and you've got to guess whether the the dick on the next card will be bigger or smaller oh. than the current dick. Oh, it's card sharks. Yeah, but for dicks. Dick, dick sharks. Oh. Yeah. There's fondle, <laughs> which is it's twister, but for touching body parts. Uh, oh yeah, it's, I just saw that's come up. I think it's uh, yeah. the mat with cherries, and then a man just grabbed this girl's ass. The splash screens are amazing. Yeah, and then there's just too big to fit in a mouth-sized um, giant giant dick made oh. of ice. You get a mold to make an ice dick, and then you can put liquid in, and it pours out the out the dick. So it, uh. it's a flaccid penis. So I assume the dick is just like pissing liquid into your mouth. Everyone. And go get under the dick trough and the huge penis ice luge. Yeah, yeah, the huge penis ice luge. You just drink the piss as provided to you by your party hosts. That's very good. <laughs> that is very good. So yeah, this this VR agency was terrified to tell me, hey, we've got a silly game where you jerk off in your own face. Yeah. They apologized so much in their fucking email. I'm kind of tempted to ask for a free they've they've offered me one. I, I could have a dick. I mean I'm I'm genuinely ordering it. I <laughs> I want to play that with Jonathan when he comes visit. I've looked on the coming soon page. Now there's a, they don't give many details. So this one's just called every hole's a goal. There's a giver and a receiver. Can the giver get in a hole? Oh. And then there's a picture of a man with a face mask, but it's not suitable for COVID. It's got lovely luscious lips and a hole for the fella's own mouth to appear behind it. And then there's one around his waist. Looks like, you know, some, basically some underwear, but with a gaper sort of there, big round hole again. And a strap-on is included, and a blindfold, so it's pinned the tail on the donkey. But you've got to poke a strap-on into someone's mouth. One thing that, like, I'm pleasantly surprised to discover is I looked up, like, reviews on board gaming websites of of the Cut and Face game, and uh, your playing time for this game, how how long would you guess it would take to get this this uh, dick to jizz, jizz on your face? How, how how long do you reckon an average play session would be? Uh, oh, well, I mean, you don't want to go longer than 10 minutes. You want to go, like, five at the max, because people's arms will get tired if they're going like that all the time. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So, apparently, the average playtime is about four minutes, which is longer than I expected. That, yeah, I mean... It... You've got to really commit to the, the gag, and here's what fascinates me is... Ha ha ha, this is funny. I feel like in a group setting like they've shown in images, about two and a half minutes in, it's going to get real weird as it's like, ha ha, the novelty's worn off. Now I'm just really jerking this off trying to finish. And I'm uncomfortable. My clothes are damp. Like, they told me it was water. I'm not too sure. A minute and a half to two minutes, you can maybe get away with like, ha 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 ha. Oh no, we're into minute three. Um, how's everyone doing around the room? <laughs> a lot of these are just like things you could get at, like as like a prize at a Chuck E. Cheese or something with a strap on because <laughs> we've got pencil dick. A dice tells them what position to be in and a card tells them what to draw. Their team members have to guess what it is, but they're drawing it with a pencil on the end of a strap on. And then there's ring fling, which is just ring toss, but they've got little plastic shitty rings with another strap on. Fucking hell, there's so many coming Marshmallow penis Yeah, I don't know why they were so scared to send this This is perfect for us Yeah, this is, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, what if if you don't like my my, my, my plastic dicks? They can't send what's in the box though It always bothers me whenever I get, you know, emails from PR people Who obviously have no idea what my content is Yeah Yeah, exactly, like, hey, look, if you knew anything about me All you need to know is that I do a podcast about about pornography and games you could have like just just send me an email that goes hey do you talk about games and pornography would you like some dicks to jerk off yeah i am annoyed about what's in the box though basically what they've done is it's a box with a hole for a hand to go in and then it's like oh what things are in there we suggest you know you could put in like a dildo and handcuffs and all these you know really milk toast ideas of what uh, cheeky is uh, and uh <laughs> Then it says none of those are included. So they're just trying to sell you a box and not even a functional one because they ruined it. Oh. Fucking hell. Well, I'm getting cum face anyway. 
they, they were right. It's worth twenty four ninety nine. I mean, I'm I'm very tempted. Like usually, I don't accept these. Uh, like, hey, hey, do you want our weird products? But like, I, I kind of want Comface. This is in your wheelhouse. This is something that you could legitimately provide coverage on. I think that this is a fair a fair cop. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I feel like this is a legitimate work expense exactly. or a legitimate work uh, inquiry. This is why I'm buying it myself because you're getting it to cover it and I'm getting it to, to cover, cover it. you. Yes. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm Conrad. That's my impression of you, Conrad. <laughs> It was a quality joke. It was a quality joke. I'm going to go on about this for weeks, right? Until people are outside Conrad's house ch- chanting, hang Conrad's in my How is everyone? It's from where we are. It's not too long until the inauguration, and I've just been sat, like, on the edge of my seat, once again, binge-watching reality, waiting for it all to pop off. Yeah. I have a feeling it's gonna just be a boring, deflating day. I think you're right. But there's always that chance that I'm gonna say, please let this be a normal field trip. (laughs) Yeah, we're recording a little bit early today, just on the off chance that, like, Inauguration minute hits and it's like, oops, the country's exploded. Yeah, I want to watch it. I mean, you know, I want to watch it anyway, just because it's, you know, it's watching someone who isn't Trump become president for a minute. Like, that's that's worth watching on the telly. you got to take the win where you can. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you you just never know. Basically, it's either either nothing's going to happen or... Trump is going to get into a metal bodysuit with tentacles on it and take over Big Shell with the Sons of Liberty. (laughs) Could you imagine? Kojima did. Kojima imagined a former president who teamed up with terrorists to seize the United States under a flag of liberty. The difference is that while there is a conspiracy at play, the president is incompetent. Like, truly and utterly incompetent. And so I'm just imagining Donald Trump in some Doc Ock shit, stumbling around. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a really... We got the shit solidus. Metal Gear Solid got, like, a pretty effective solidus. Fecalus snake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. Sorry, this isn't video games, but it's it's kind of ACAP related, so I feel like we can throw it in here. I've just learned a very good thing. Mm-hmm. So I was unaware that in some places where, like, you know, if you're in a chat that would ban ACAP, apparently the number 1312 sometimes gets used to mean ACAP because it's the first, third, first, and second letters of the alphabet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 1312. Yeah, 1312. And the reason why 1312 is interesting here is, you know, there's that Disney movie Zootopia where there's a rabbit who's a cop. Yeah. They're making a Nendroid figure of it and this little cot rabbit is number 1312 of their figurines and that's quite that makes me happy <laughs> ho 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 someone had some fun there well you know on the one hand it could just be one of those things it could just be an absolute coincidence that that cop wound up being number 1312 I can see that happening because I see stupid coincidental shit get overlooked all the time by companies who should know better. I've seen more obvious things get looked over by bigger companies, yeah. but I want to believe. I do. I want to. Yep. Yep. Let's get some x file shit. Get uh, Mulder on the case because I want to believe. <laughs> so who's played a video game this week? Who's got one of them? Huh? Anyone? Video games? Uh, yeah, I played I played some video games. Oh. Tell us about one of them. We want to hear it. We want to know. I played uh, Double Kick Heroes. Tell us about Double Kick Heroes. It's a rhythm game. Ooh. It is, uh, it's on Xbox Game Pass because that seems to be where I play all my games now. Oh yeah, I've, I've got at least one Game Pass game this week. <laughs> I wonder if you can get an Xbox Series X now. Probably not. You just reminded me the Xbox brand exists. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, this this is interesting because it sort of it somewhat inverts the idea of individual track notes corresponding to buttons in a rhythm game. Mm-hmm. It, instead, you have a single track with notes on it, and you alternate between left and right bumpers. 
to fire guns at a horde of zombies that are chasing your convertible filled with your band. Oh. It's interesting. That sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, you have this big horde that's coming at you, and you'll have ones that start to break away and get a little bit faster uh, coming on your upper lane or your lower lane. And so your left bumper is your lower shot, your right bumper is your upper shot. And you have to manage all of that while keeping an eye on the track below for the rhythm. And then that's just, that's at the basic difficulty settings. The the setting that the game seems to really want you to play also introduces a additional track on an A button at separate times that will eventually launch a grenade if you hit enough of them in sequence and blow up a big horde of them. And so it, it gets challenging really, really fast. The first couple difficulty settings are like, oh, this is kind of bland and not that interesting. But when you get that extra track in with the other two, you know, other things that you have to look at the top, the bottom stuff to manage, it's it gets hard fast. The music's not for me because it's metal and, and I'm not really into that. So I probably won't come back to it. But I really do appreciate the little bit of deception that it's playing by making the game seem really simple in contrast to other rhythm games because of those fewer note tracks, but ending up being like really, really hard in the play at the end. Oh, yeah. That that sounds like totally my jam. I need to check this out. The mm-hmm. concept's really good. Yeah. Yeah. The the art's cool. Um, I think, you know, like I say, I'm not a metal fan. I don't hate the music, though. So it's, it's playable. Um, it's just not my thing. Uh, but yeah, really cool set of ideas, a lot of divided focus. It's neat. Oh, that art style is really nice. Yeah, it looks good. Ah, that's, a, that's a real cool looking game. Did you say that's on Games Pass at the moment? It's on Xbox Game Pass right now, yeah. Nice. Conrad, you're talking about music has reminded me about something. Mm. You've talked to me a few times about Guar, right? I have. Have you got two Guar albums on record, on vinyl? Um, I have like four. Four or five. I only need two. Okay. Is it possible you could... I mean, just like, at your convenience, can you bring them round? Sure. Do you Thank have a you. preference? No, no, no. Any any two guar will do. Is there something visually that you would like there? It's not It's not for listening. I'm not going to, like, do anything <laughs> oh. bad with it. Yeah, no, obviously you're not going to listen to it. I knew that. I played Sex Cow for you once. <laughs> I knew you weren't going to listen to it. I've got a great idea to do with it. And when 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 I show you, you will say, oh, I'm, I'm sorry I ever... I doubted, yeah. Okay. Ever doubted that you're really funny and brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you got it, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I played a game on Xbox Game Pass this week that I got really into. Mm-hmm. And this, this is one of those games I never would have bought, like, ever. But knowing that it's on Game Pass, I've had a really good time with it. Uh, it's called Deep Rock Galactic. Oh, I've mm. heard of that. I've seen it promoted to me many times on Steam mm. and, and never bothered to plunge in. Yeah. So uh, me and Jane have a mutual friend who was really into it, and we we decided to hop on and play some at the weekend. It is a mission-based game that where you're playing as a bunch of, of dwarves. You've got like four different character classes you can play as that have different abilities. And you're basically going on lots of missions that are go find these minerals by digging around with your pickaxe, fight off waves of enemies. Once you finish the final objective, you've got to like sprint back to the evacuation zone and a bunch of monsters will come in to make that journey back quite difficult and you've got a time limit to get back there. It scales really nicely based on the number of people you play it with. It is totally viable to play it single player. It basically just increases the enemy complexity the more people you have Um, and it seems to have that balance pretty well sorted for one, two or three player players we did. Didn't try it with four but it seemed like it would probably work for that. What I like about it a lot is the differentiation of how the various characters work. None of them are so different that you feel like you're totally missing out and totally forced to play in a specific style, but they all have little um, things that work for them. There's the gunner, who has very big, fast guns and can make these sort of zip lines at certain angles that you can use to get up and down big chasms. Uh, You've got a driller who can drill very fast but has less in the way of weaponry. You've got lots of lots of like little different options going. What I really enjoy about playing it is that it has a really good pacing of how its missions play out. They usually give you plenty of breathing room at the start of, of any given mission to 
search for resources, get your bearings of where things are, get a chance to collect up some resources so that you have stuff to work with. It's not really until you go and do the first bit of an objective that it starts throwing waves of enemies at you. It's like, okay, do you feel prepared? Now we go in. Yeah, it's just a really, it's a really fun, delightful little multiplayer game. Um, me and Jane have been very, oh, just one more, oh, just one more about it. Mm-hmm. All of the missions are probably in the sort of like 30 to 45 minute range, which is like, it's it's been the sort of length that we can fit a game in before work in the morning or something uh, together, which is really nice. There's a particular type of mission in it that I really enjoy, which is about trying to set up these pipelines to drill various uh, resources back to a central location. And you're having to dig paths between like where the resource is and this big refinery build pipes to get there, defend the pipelines as they're being attacked by monsters. Like, lights on the pipes will change colour if somewhere on that pipe it's been damaged, so you can then sort of grind along the pipe and find the damage and fight the enemies off and repair the pipe. It's got a really fun gameplay loop. I don't know if I would spend the money on the game. It's one of those that... I would have been hard-pressed to spend, I think it's like $40 to buy a copy of it, or to buy two copies of it so me and Jane can play um, co-op, but it's on Game Pass, and it's on both Game Pass on Xbox and PC, and it's got cross-play between the two. And yeah, it's been a really fun just jump in for half an hour of fighting off waves of enemies, collecting resources. Fun little game! It's a lot of fun. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I've heard a lot about it, but I've never really sort of looked at it. It's one of those things where my my brain does a lot of things sometimes where if I see just something in the periphery enough, it just then becomes the scenery and I don't... It doesn't get into my head. I'd heard the name of it a lot of times and sort of knew it existed and didn't really know what it was. And I probably wouldn't have played it had we not already had a friend who was into it. And like, yeah, we'll we'll try something new and co-op. And yeah, the biggest complaints I have about it are it's very, very slow to unlock character cosmetics. Mm -hmm. It's not a case of pay for them with real money. That's why we've made it slow. It's just a slow... It's just a slog. Unlock economy. It's just a bit of a slog. Yeah. I've played... Several hours of this, um, there is a skin tone section. It started as what I would describe as a white character. After hours of play, I unlocked one additional skin tone, even whiter. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you've got like, oh, your character can have an afro, but you can't unlock a skin tone that might be applicable to to, to go with that hair. Oh. Which is not great. And it also feels like a wasted opportunity that all of the dwarves are male, because one of the fun things you can do with... Dwarves as a thing is go like yeah just you know they can still have a gruff voice and a beard but be like no there's that's you can have a girl one if you want it's it's very just here is your straight white man that you are gonna have a long grind to so much as change their hair color is gonna take you multiple hours uh, which is like yeah it's not great it's a bit disappointing it's a bit of a shame uh, but the, the gameplay loop itself is fun so bear that information in mind I've been playing it since like Saturday. I still don't know if there are any darker skin tones that can be unlocked in this game, because so far it's just... How how white do you want to be? You've got options. How white do you want to be? Well, there you go. Right, Jim, what have you played this week? Uh, 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 hold on, sorry. One second. I'm just training up for come face game. Oh, <laughs> just getting my, getting my sort of... My arm... Basically just moving it up and down. I should really be holding a pedometer at the same time so I can cheat. Um, but yeah, I'm just going to get like m- one arm just completely big swole and then I'm going to win the cum face game. And then they'll call me cum face champion. Yeah, you're not going to practice with both arms so that you can like, you know, swap to the other arm when the oh. arm's tired. Oh, that is an expert play. Two swole arms. Um, I probably only need one foot as well. Very dexterous. <laughs> Um, yeah, I played the game, sure. Um, I tell you what, I didn't have to, uh, grind forever to, um, get a shiny white top hat <gasps> in Monster Hunter World and a shiny white suit. You've been getting into Monster Hunter! Pink hole ribbons, which I got to colour myself any colour you want from a palette, <laughs> although the hair and everything, no worries there. Off of a thing, one of them things, those squares with all the colours on it. Yeah, the sort of, the the hue charts. Yeah, the hue chart. Yeah. Yeah, tell us how you got into Monster Hunter this time. Yeah, I got into it now. I don't know how. You did the thing that I did, where you try it multiple times and it never clicks and then you play with it and it 
clicks for some reason. Well, yeah, I mean, the, what confuses me is, you know, I've been trying it since the PS2, as I've said, like, constant. I, I don't know how many I've tried, but it's quite a few. And I know Monster Hunter World was a big gateway for a lot of people, but I'd already played it. I'd already, that was the last one I'd given a chance and had already been like, okay, uh, nah, I can't countenance with this shit. Uh, and then I tried, as I said last week, I tried r- the demo for Rise and was like, okay, well, I've used a gun this time so I don't have to get up in the monster's face and, and get annoyed with it. Uh, and I was like, okay, well, that sort of eased me in. I, I can sort of, I could see the loop being enjoyable enough if I keep this up. And then I tried World again, like I said I would last week, re-downloaded it. I actually got fairly quickly bored of doing the gun again, so then went with the gun line. Mm. Which, you know, it's largely the the up-close gameplay that really annoyed me and all the others. I don't know what changed. Yeah, I had the same experience. I can't nail down why I like Monster Hunter when I used to not. And mm. I don't know if it's I tried a different weapon or... I understood the weapon correctly in a way I didn't previously or something. And that was a weird thing is I felt like I got the game a bit better. Like, I don't fully get everything. I mean, I did the, uh, a live stream of it yesterday specifically so that people could uh, um, <laughs> yell advice in chat uh, and already sort of picked up a few things I didn't even know I could do. Because it's such a densely packed game and, and it's not always super explanatory. It's exactly the reason why I struggled the demo for Rise is mm-hmm. because I was like, the demo's been out for mere hours and there are things I probably won't know that the chat can shout at me about. And I had a better experience just from like, because the back seating hasn't been like, you're shit, you're doing it wrong. It seemed very nurturing. Like, no, it's okay, try yeah. this, this'll help you. I've never seen anyone give me shit when I bring up my issues with Monster Hunter. It's only ever yeah. Monster Hunter fans really sad that I can't enjoy it like they do. Yeah. And people have been over, like, genuinely overjoyed. I was in full femme mode yesterday on stream. Yeah. And the chat was mostly shocked and surprised I was playing Monster Hunter. <laughs> That's how uncharacteristic it is. And and apparently that is how into Monster Hunter Monster fans are. Yeah. And that was part of why I was always sad I never got into it, because it looks fucking fun, and the kind of loop it has. I've played other games that rip Monster Hunter off and somehow enjoyed those and not Monster Hunter. So again, I don't know exactly what clicked this time, because even before I got advice, I started World again and was just like, oh, I get a lot more of this than I did before. Yeah. I understand a lot more about sort of engaging with the monsters, and you know, I'm still not brilliant, but like, I got it enough that I'm now getting to practice and get better. Yeah. And you know, I might branch out with some, I'm still tinkering around with all the different types of gun lances, but I'm now getting to the point where I might try another weapon or two. Um, I do want to do bagpipes, but I'm going to wait till Rise because, again, you know, uh, a lot of people have said that, that it's really um, much more user-friendly there. I, I tried the bagpipes a lot in, in the previous things because I really like the idea, but I could never get into it. The bagpipes in Rise, I'm not super good with them, but I know enough to say that they simplified a lot of the randomness with the bagpipes, so it's a lot easier to go straight to the type of, like, whatever bagpipe mode you want to be on to go straight into it. Yeah, I heard the combos, like, they've really streamlined that as well, so it's just a lot more easy to get into. So I, I still need to pop the demo on again and give those a try yeah um, but yeah i love the gun lance it's it's just it's very fun it's just a i love the design of it because it's sort of got that sort of you know gun blade thing from final fantasy 8 mm. but i just love that it's got like the 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 chamber and everything of like a pistol <laughs> like a yeah. giant pistol that just turns into a lance at the end of it uh, and just this whole idea of jamming a lance into someone and then firing off a shotgun shell through it. It's, it's just a great... I mean, a lot of the weapons are really inventive, which is another reason I always wanted to get into it. But I refuse to do simple things like swords because I'm like, why do that when there's a stick that fires insects? Yeah. And then I play the stick that fires insects and can't do it because it's really complicated. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, gun lance so far is fun lance. So I'm, I've been sticking with that. I got a flame sack off a turkey T-Rex. Yes, I saw you upgraded your weapon at the end. Yeah, early, earlier today I tried that out, the, the fiery one, and that's pretty good. There's a poison one I've been trying to get as well. But I also like that it really isn't that hard to 
get a comparable weapon to what you've got if you want to try something else. Yeah. Because you collect so many materials and stuff that if you're like, okay, I've fully upgraded this. Well, I mean, I've got several gun lances to do different trees. The only barrier is, you know, getting specified stuff unique to each weapon. Yeah. You don't have to grind to like get basic resources to try a new weapon and get it about as strong as what you already have. Yeah. So there's no, you don't feel like it's an uphill struggle to try anything new. Yeah. Which is the kind of thing I like. I want a game that incentivizes experimentation and variety and, and sort of really getting into it and, and playing. I, I describe certain games as games that want to be played. Mm. And there are elements. Monster Hunter in its heart is one of those <laughs> games. Because it's got all the tools for you to have so much incredible fun, but it's got this wall in it at first. And once you get into it, then this game's like, welcome, friend. Stay here forever. Exactly. It's got like one seven foot wall that's quite hard to scale. But once you get to the other side of it, it's like, oh, no, there are no more walls after this. Here you go. You're in. And hopefully, you know. Biden's in charge. He said he's taking it down. So oh. a lot more people. Rice is going to sell a lot more, <laughs> according to CNN. Uh, I've been getting back into Monster Hunter this week, mainly because playing the Rise demo reminded me that I really like Monster Hunter. Mm -hmm. So I've been going back and practicing a lot with the Charge Blade, which is, I don't know if you've played with it much. It's got two modes. You've basically oh. got um, short range, fast uh, sword that every time you attack with it, it builds up a meter. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then you can basically take the charged up energy that you've built from doing the quick attacks, basically turn it into ammo, transform into a big heavy axe, and then do big elemental attacks with the, the energy you've built up. Mm -hmm. It's this nice back and forth between lots of quick jabs that you're not really doing so much to do damage, but to build up meter, lock it in, right, now's my time to just electric spin at this thing. Yeah. A lot of people recommended that one to me when I was tweeting about just starting. I gave it a brief go between the light bow gun and the um, yeah. gun lance, and it was fun. It's a, it's a fun weapon. It's not one that I've spent a lot of time with in the past, but I've been really enjoying the, the, the range of speed options it has yeah. available that you've, you've got the, op the option to go, right, I need something much faster for this opportunity, right? It's on the ground. Let's mm -hmm. do infinite damage. I, I like the back and forth nature of it. It's been fun. It speaks to the Bloodborne fan in me as well. It's got that trick yeah. weapon thing to it. Exactly. But I think that's that's the thing. There's there's I like how much variety there is in the playstyles. Even if some of the weapons I will look at and never understand how to use properly, I like that they're there. Yeah. Um it's an um, amazing content for streaming yeah because world you just set up an expedition and then we had some some viewers join the multiplayer for it and then that's a stream like that's it you're set yeah you just wander around just fighting fucking flamingo egg dinosaurs and turkey t-rexes and, and shit it's got enough moments of downtime in between when the big monster runs away or when you have to you know back away for a second that you've got time to check up on things like uh, chat and donations and stuff. Yeah, between monsters, yeah. you know, unless you're doing like an actual mission mission with a time limit, and even a lot of those are generous. Oh, most of them are pretty generous, yeah. yeah. I still push them to their limits because I always stop and then run my mouth for 20 minutes. <laughs> One of the things came really down to the wire. But it, again, the fact that you could run your mouth for 20 minutes yeah. and still just about do it suggests that like, it, it's not like, oh, if I look away for two seconds, I'm going to be yeah. fucked. Like it's, I, I feel like it's just there to just give you a, a light sense of, of not even urgency, just this idea that the clock is ticking, so you can't just wander around picking up flowers forever. But it gives you enough time to, you know, do extracurricular stuff, because it's... You go into a mission, it's not that one monster. So if you've got 50 minutes, it's like, well, fuck it. Let's bag the other ones first. Exactly. It's really satisfying once you find a weapon you like and get into a groove with it. Yeah. Bits of it are still really fucking annoying, though. Yeah. Some of the, the restrictions with, with maneuverability doesn't always gel with the relentlessness of some of the monsters. <laughs> and there are certain things where just trying to tracking, tracking things doesn't quite work out for me. Like the insects that trail things. Hmm. Even when I've got certain things pinned, it still seems to struggle at times to to tell me where to go or it'll point to something else insistently. Yeah. And and my God, but 
I did it a bit this morning and I was going after a dragon, right? And it was flying <laughs> around the map and I was trying to fast travel between the two camps, which are not <laughs> the best placed for it. I was ages after this fucking thing and it goes so fast. Like, you know, by the time you catch up to it, it can be on the other end of the map um, before you get to where it was. It's so quick. Finally caught up to it. Someone had joined the the, um, the game at that point, <clears throat> came up on it, smashed the fuck out of it. And I can't tell you how long I was chasing this thing. <laughs> ages. Ages. <sighs> Beat the fuck out of it. Got up in the air. Left the area. What the fuck is that? Left the fucking area. Got your area right here. You can leave th- that. Yeah, left the area. Fucking hell. <laughs> and there's some points where I'm just like, this thing is wasting my goddamn time. And also, I shouldn't have to sharpen a weapon this fucking frequently. I was going to say, it's the one complaint I have about this series is... I don't think the whetstone mechanic adds anything. No, no. I like. I, I mean, I wouldn't even mind. I mean, I'm annoyed in general by weapon durability, but it's like at least I don't break, and at least it's not a resource. But make it last at least to the point where a monster is running away, so I can do it between chases or something, rather than having to stop battle several times. Because it's such a slow process to use your whetstone. And most big enemies don't give you enough time to get a full whetstone done. No. And there's not really much you can do if you're like, well, my weapon's not sharp enough to hit this thing and I it's not giving me enough of an opening to use my whetstone. I mean, thank God they gave you the cat so that it can at least do some distraction and, and everything. And Yeah. You know, I'm getting a bit better at kind of getting the distance or getting around a corner to do it. But at the same time, it's... It's still not guaranteed that... Because, like I said, those things are relentless. I, I'm never having a good time when I'm struggling to find somewhere no. to whetstone. Oh, it's it's really not fun. There's no real point to it. And, and that's one of the other drawbacks of the gun lance as well, is when you fire off the shells, that, I think, doubles uh, how how it degrades, how, how much it degrades. Um, and, yeah, like, several times a fight, a, a fight before it runs away, I'm having to use the whetstone uh, and then, you know, I'll catch up to it again and then it's another several times I'm going to have to find a place to do this thing. And uh, it's a, it's bad enough it's there, but why is it so harsh? Yeah. It just gets in the way. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know if there are people that really love the idea, but it, it's, it just strikes me as pointless. I've never enjoyed it. No. Well, what about, what about you, Conrad? What have you been playing this week? Um, well, the other game that uh, has really sort of caught my attention this week is called Sea Salt. <gasps> That's a real good game. I played that. Isn't it? I know nothing about this. I hadn't. I had no idea it existed. I think I mentioned it on Podquisition last year, though. Did you? I, I, I may have done. I'm pretty sure I did. I probably spaced it. One of those times when you were talking and I just went off into my own world because this is definitely my bag. Now, I brought it up a few times. Like I, I, I big it up in play because I never did a video on it, so I kind mm-hmm. of name drop it here and there. It is, yeah, yeah. It's a swarm 'em up, hmm. I guess is is what I you know in in the vein of like an overlord or mm-hmm. uh, that sort of thing. You have a cursor that you use to direct a swarm of Lovecraftian beasts that are all sort of based on Dagon um, and that story. And so you you are a, an apostle of Dagon exacting vengeance on this, I guess, nation state that uh, worshipped you and took your, your rewards. And then when the archbishop was told that they had to sacrifice themselves, oh, all of a sudden, not interested. It's really funny. It's really dark. It's full of squiggly things. Yeah, it's, it's got this cool 16-bit style that you know has just enough detail to be creepy and have good animations there's a bunch of different monsters to choose from i'm pretty early on in the game and let's see what what i wrote down some of the monsters there's a uh like some basic swarm things that you get and some worms that are a little slower and do more damage but they also leave this trail that slows down pursuers these crabs that have High defense, but low attack. Oh, I loved the little crabs. The crabs are great. Uh, there are cultists that use attack magic at range, and then these big, beefy swamp things, and a lich that reanimates corpses after you've killed villagers. It's really cool. The levels are, are pretty well designed. Uh, there's a good risk-reward system involved in a lot of the enemies that aren't 
combat capable uh, that just flee from you, they're the ones who drop cash, whereas the other ones that are actual threats generally don't. And so you want to divide focus and make sure you get all of those cash dropping enemies that you can, because when you fill up your gold meter, you get to spawn more monsters without the use of an in-level altar. Pretty well balanced. It's pretty challenging. Levels are a bit longer than I thought they'd be. They tend to run, which isn't necessarily a problem, but with a game of this sort of style and design, I kind of expected, you know, more short sessions than this has. It's it's fine. Uh, just be aware of that going in. But the dark sensibility of it is so, and maybe this says more about me, but here's an example. In one of the early stages, there's this woman that is standing in a town square holding her baby. And when the swarm approaches, she just straight up drops the baby and runs. <laughs> and you can swarm the baby. Uh. And I loved it. <laughs> It says a lot about you. Yeah, it probably does. <laughs> but no, no, it, it's a very dark game. And I like, I really like that premise of, of like Dagon and company just being pissed mm-hmm. that they didn't get like the last few drops of sacrifice uh, and just going after the, the ones that are welching on it. It's a good premise and I'm, I'm terrible at swarm ups. I could never get far into it, but I very enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it is challenging it's it's more challenging than some other games of this sort that i've played i will i will say yeah i couldn't get far at all i couldn't keep things alive and there's and there's a real attrition element to it with the length of the levels because they're so long mm. most screens do give you an altar to spawn at least one more set of enemies to keep you bolstered and there are um Little barrel items that if you can come into contact with them, they'll break open and and give you a few more basic swarm enemies. And I managed to defeat one of the bosses basically that way. I was down to one last little swarm guy a lot and using that to dodge attacks until I could find a barrel, get half a dozen more, deal a little damage until I was back down to one or two and then have to play defensively again. So it does have some consideration for giving you opportunity to keep going if if you've kind of screwed yourself to an extent, Mm -hmm. but it it is still quite challenging. Yeah. A lot of fun though. I'm going to keep at it. Uh, I'm going to be playing it on my stream on Friday, actually, if people want to check it out. Oh, you're doing it on Friday? Yeah, I'll do that on Friday, oh, coming up brilliant. on twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman 2pm Eastern. Come check it out. It's pretty cool. And it is on Game Pass. It's about to leave Game Pass, and that's how I, I ah. spotted it. Um, it's it's there until the end of the month. So if you have Game Pass, um, check it out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yes. I, I recommend that as well. For free, yes. Yeah. Well, say free, you know, cost of entry, yes. Laura, what about you? I've been playing a few hours of a game that I'm I'm really digging in spite of it having a few a few little issues. Um it's a it's a game called The Red Lantern, which I've been meaning to check out for a while. It was showing up in a lot of uh, Nintendo's indie directs for a while. It is a game about going on a sort of cross-country uh, journey with sled dogs. It's an Oregon Trail style. Does it star Willem Dafoe? It does not. Oh. No. <laughs> Fly my pups. Oh. <laughs> it's it's a game about just picking your route and deciding how to deal with various situations on a big journey. It's got some persistent elements in between runs. Generally, the way the game works is that the more divergent routes and new things you find in a run, the next run you'll go in with more resources and better prepared. So it, it incentivizes you to not just follow the same route every time. But the general gist is there are eight dogs available and you go around and you meet all these these dogs that could be part of your sledding team and they've all got different t- Temperaments, and you pick which four of them you'd like to take with you on your journey, and you go off into the wilderness trying to find food and resources for campfires and try and keep enough things like bullets to um, hunt things to get more food as you're going along. You've got two separate meters at all times. You've got the hunger meter for the dogs, and you've got the hunger meter for you as a person. And as you make your journey across the icy wasteland, both of these meters will slowly go down, and you get lots of options of which of these paths do you want to take? Uh, You've seen something over there, do you want to go interact with it? Anytime you stop to interact with something you've seen on the path, it will cause a bit of hunger meter to go down, so you have to take a chance on do I take a risk uh, following this thing that's come up as a as an option 
And it's just about resource management and trying to make sure you have enough resources that you don't starve and that you don't get killed and that you make it to the other side of this big journey. I very much enjoy this game from the perspective of, like, the dogs are the best part of it. I'm not a dog person, but this game makes me, makes me very emotionally attached to the dogs in it. Is there a second half of the game where you then have to kill the dogs and then feel really bad about it? So... If you don't want to feel bad about dead dogs being a possibility, there is an option in the settings to have all the dogs be invincible. Holy shit. There is a dogs never die mode. <laughs> That's awesome. I can respect that. Yeah. I, I tell you what, this era of inventive ways to make a game more accessible and, and, and like yeah. more palatable to people that might otherwise have like issues getting into it. These clever ideas people are having like to add into options, I'm here for it. Like, yeah. That's a brilliant idea. That's a lovely idea. Like you can still be like, ah, oh, we didn't have enough food for the dogs, so we had to turn back home. But like you can turn off basically any of the events where a dog might get attacked by a wolf and be injured and whimpering and and then get killed off the next time something tries to fight it. You can just turn that off. Yeah. Some people just want to play a fun dog game, and if it can provide a fun dog game and a sad dead dog game at the same time, everyone wins. Exactly. All of the dogs are really endearing. As someone who doesn't like dogs, um, I found myself having to fight the urge to just take the first four dogs offered to me because they all seemed really lovely and I wanted to love them very quickly. I don't like dogs and I was like, yeah, but, but I can't leave this one behind. Look at them. They all have very distinct personalities and usually they have things that they are good or bad at. Like there is one dog that is very distrusting of people. It's very nervous initially at the start of the run it will actively avoid letting you stop near like let's say you see like a big moose and you're like i could i could shoot that and have food for quite a while for these dogs and the scared dogs just like nope we're running we're running we're running i'm not stopping i'm not stopping but you can sort of build up your relationship with them and then later in the run they'll actually be quite a good attack dog if you need to fend something off you've got all these little all these little trade-offs for the little dog personalities and it's really nice just getting to explore these randomized events and try and make this big journey. Now, the big problem I have with this game is... So first of all, it is very on rails. From having watched the trailers, I assumed that I would be actively controlling the sledding of these dogs across the route. And it is very much follow the path, pick left or right. You've got a map to reference. Keep sort of picking which way to go every now and then. But it does mean that there's an element of luck involved in which encounters you will come across. And let's say you're in a situation like I was in on the last run I did, where I was quite a ways in, I was doing quite well. I had food on my pack, but me as a human, I can't eat the, the meat raw. I've got to find bark with which to make a fire, with which to cook the food before I can cook it. And for about 10 minutes, I'm just like, look, literally any birch tree will do, just birch trees anywhere. Didn't happen to come across any, and I died with meat on my pack, but no ability to cook it. Ah. And there was not really anything I could have done because there was no way for me to know. Like, I looked at the map and I was like, okay, there's trees that way. I'll go that way. It wasn't the right kind of trees. There was nothing that could have allowed me to make a more informed choice about where to find that resource that I needed. It's the issue with any kind of game of this type that has a certain amount of luck involved is that if you just have the bad luck and the thing, the resource you need to keep playing doesn't show up, then there's not much you can do. Mm -hmm. So far, I've not minded that because there has been enough variety within the runs that if I happen to lose, I'll start the next one run with a bit more resources anyway because of how I've explored and, you know, next time I'll probably have a start with a bit of extra bark, which means that maybe, you know, I'll have that one little extra push that'll let me find it next time. It's a lot of fun. It is a very charming game, mainly in terms of feeling like you, you are building a bond with these animals and going on a big journey, even if it's sometimes a little undermined by feeling like there's sometimes luck playing more of a role than skill in some of your outcomes. But I mean, every everyone's like 20 to 30 minutes and I, I'm having a good time with it so far. If, if it can make me, who really has issues with dogs, 
very quickly fall in love with these big doofus animals. It's it's done pretty well in that regard. Cool. I mean, you've you've got me somewhat interested in that Red Lantern. You say? Yeah, the Red Lantern. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to be streaming it. Well, I will have streamed it um, by the time this goes up, but there'll be a vod on Twitch if anyone's interested in looking because I'm I'm going to give it a stream. Are you doing that today? Yeah, I'm going to give it a stream tonight. Hang on, I'm, I'm looking up the game, but I've got to do Red Lantern game, otherwise it gives me a fucking DC Comics. Uh, yeah, the the Red Lantern. Oh yeah, that 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 looks nice, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a ch- it's a charming looking little game. Yeah, you were telling it to me, and I didn't I didn't look up pictures, and in my head I was just imagining like another sort of. 16-bitty looking game. It's got a lovely little art style to it, and all of the, the dogs are very nicely animated. They they all are very much wanted to love all of them. <laughs> uh, what about you both? Have either of you played anything else you want to talk about this week? I mean, it's been all Monster Hunter for me. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, that's pretty much everything I've played this week is... Uh... Those two, yeah. The only other thing I really played this week was I, I did more Cooking Mama Cook Star. Oh, shit. I currently hold all eight records in that. Um, I, I'm, I've taken them back. I'm, I'm, I'm undisputed best at this moment. I managed to get some good times, and I'm already looking at what terrible game to speedrun next. Oh, no. No, you were supposed to stop after the one, Laura. Well, I was, I'm stopping with this one. I'm going to go, I want to I wanna claim more weird records. Oh, no. It's going to be a thing oh, for a bit. Oh, no. This is going to be shinies all over again. <laughs> well, at least I'm doing different games. I'm not sticking with one, you know. I, I was I was the opposite when I spoke to Laura about it last <laughs> night. I was like, look, you hunt shinies to an inhuman degree. You smash this. <laughs> oh, no, she's going to do great. That's not the, the, the concern. <laughs> uh, so so I, I, I put together, like, having got all the records back, I, I put together a little how-to speedrun cooking Mama Cook star video to be like, look, if... If anyone wants to come take my titles now, here's a 15-minute video that tells you basically everything I've learned in two weeks so that you can come and like try for those records. I'm moving on. I went looking through that list of games that no one speedruns again, and I found another in the Mama series of games that no one has ever speedrun. Babysitting Mama is a game for the Wii where you have a cuddly toy infant that you have to look after in Cooking Mama minigame style. Yes, I've seen a gif of this game being quote-unquote played. Oh, I'm I'm assuming it's the giant bomb, no, 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 don't shake the baby gif. It's... you should... yeah... (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so i found a copy of this for 10 quid on ebay and was like fuck it if i finish this game i will be the only speedrun world record holder for for babysitting mama so fuck it why not i'm gonna be speedrunning mama i'm gonna take all of the the mama games that no one has ever speedrun and just be like yeah that that one that one that one they're mine yeah i i fully encourage it (laughs) they've been real good streams and Fun. It's a good idea. It's a good uh, sort of conceit to the what you're doing with the idea of speed running. Yeah, the streams have been really positively received. The numbers have been really good on them, and I really like the idea of for a while being like, go get a record or a couple of records in a game no one is playing. Do those streams. Make a little video going, hey, you can probably take these records from me. Here's what I've learned in my time, and move on. Yeah, I like just like pottering around the games doing that. That's respectable. Just briefly be like, hey, I'm currently the best at this game. Here's what I know. Have a go. Try and bring some life to some of these little speedrunning communities that no one's playing the game. Try and get some people engaged. I already know like three or four other people who this week have bought copies of Cookstar to start speedrunning it. I'm like, yeah, go with you. Get involved in speedrunning. It's a fun, silly thing. Should we talk about a couple of news bits that happened this week? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Who wants to talk about cyberpunk this week? Again. (laughs) Because that happened like minutes after we fucking finished last week's episode. I've said my piece on Monday. I'll tell you what, you know CD Projekt Red? Yeah, CDPR. You know that old CD Projekt Red, yeah? Yeah. Oh, not impressed. Yeah. Yeah. I got so many tweets going, oh, look, isn't it good that CDPR did uh, an apology where they took full responsibility? And I'm like, (laughs) yeah. Sure, that's what happened. Yeah. So for anyone who's not watched, there was a video that got put up by one of the the founders of CD Projekt Red. I forget what his name is. He's one of the founders. Basically going, hey, hey, I take full responsibility for everything that went wrong with Cyberpunk 2077. 
Uh, all of the bugs, the testers just never found them. But I take full responsibility. He threw testers under the bus. Yeah. Just, ah, testers, they, they're, sh- they're shit. They, never, they didn't find any of these. It was these guys who screwed up, but I take full responsibility for I it. I take full responsibility for these people over here fucking up your game. <sighs> which is not good. It was not a good video. Not a good apology. Didn't address a lot of the things like crunch or the game getting rushed out the door before it was ready. Well, and it just goes to show, it just goes to show, every single time something like this happens, somebody in a place of power points the finger at the fucking weakest, weakest people involved. If you ever talk to people in QA testing, the the story you will always hear is, Oh no, we knew about every bug in the game. We reported every one of them. The higher-ups told us, yeah, well, that's a category whatever problem. We're not going to fix that. That that can wait till after release. Like, these companies know about the problems. I I hate to use the word marginalized in reference, but... You know, you see where I'm coming from. They are the punching bags of game development. They do a lot of hard work for no money and on ridiculous hours and under huge expectations. And often the good work they've done is ignored by the higher ups. And once again, the game industry serves as a handy microcosm. Yeah. For the rest of the way our society functions. Yeah. So the follow-up to this was uh, Bloomberg. There was a report about development of the game. A A lot of it was... Not unexpected uh, things to hear. No, there wasn't anything in there I didn't already pretty much know. Yeah, yeah, it's just reiterating stuff that we sort of know. According to Bloomberg sources, management dismissed concerns raised by engineers that the game uh, was too complex to run well on last-gen consoles. Previous reports that the game had been... Like, the game was announced in 2012, but it didn't actually start development till 2018. Staff were routinely saying, look, there is no time to finish making this. It's not going to be done in 2020. The demo that they showed off, so much time and money was put into that and not the game itself that it really hurt development of the game. A lot of problems like this. And Adam Badowski, the other founder of CDPR, did a response that, again, wasn't great. He dismissed all of Bloomberg's report as like, oh, well, you only spoke to 20 people at the company and most of them were anonymous, so we can basically just disregard most of what you're saying. Ignoring the fact that, like, we know why these people weren't cited on the record, because there are terrible consequences for people who speak up about upper management on the record. Additionally, they avoided responding to any of the things about crunch and poor work conditions. They just focused on, yeah, but there's... Hundreds of people who work here, and you spoke to 20, so... At the end of the day... Yeah. CD Projekt Red... Yeah. ...does not know how to handle this shit, does it? It's gotten so fucking used to skating by scot-free without any fucking criticism. It has no idea how to handle this. Which, let's face it, the way most professional publishers deal with it is by fucking ignoring it. Yeah. And... That's not a good thing, but it does save their asses and it does stop them humiliating themselves and it does stop the CEOs of companies nitpicking a journalist's article to try and undermine it with such things as you only spoke to 20 people. Badowski. Yeah, you only had 20 people tell you how bad it was here. And the constant, like... I know people have their issues with Jason Scryer and his reporting, but the constant knocking of him and undermining of his ethics and his motivations yeah. on Twitter by people in the game industry, by directors and voice actors, Troy Baker, who constantly knock the guy and accuse him of some ulterior motive, who, let's be honest, try and fake news the guy, I find it alarming. Mm. I find it deeply alarming that members of the game industry come together to have a crack at the one game journalist who is like truly getting into the game industry on this shit. There are criticisms to be had of the way he sometimes presents some of the things that he does, but it's undeniable that he is incredibly good at 
getting the stories going on behind the doors at these companies and there is no one who does that as well as he does yeah i mean i will certainly say i don't know of another one who does it to that level and of course that that sort of level of exposure yeah um, of these stories i don't know anyone else who does that i know there are other people who actually do investigations polygon had a good article on the epic game stuff yeah i mean hell the jimquisition has done you know i'm a better games journalist than anyone um it's proven by some scientists in russia with whom I have no affiliation. Um, but, you know, investigations and stuff are done, but, but like, there's a reason why Troy Baker, Corey Balrog, Neil Druckmann et al., there's a reason why they're going after Jason. Yeah. Because they don't like what he's doing, and, and it, it worries them. And more than one person on this podcast can attest to what happens um, and what people say about you in the industry when you start saying things they don't like. Yeah. Yeah. Because I know the shit people have said about me behind fucking closed doors. I wasn't there, but I heard it, folks. Fuck off. They do not like it because they're so used. Because you get, especially some of these fucking directors, some of these men that have mm. swanned into studios, consider themselves the fucking king shit of fuck mountain, think they're unquestionably like uh, like the Spielberg of games or whatever. Uh, and, and no one fucking speaks up to them. No one, like everyone defers to them because they have to, because no one can say anything um, without anonymity, without threat of not only being fired, but completely blacklisted from the industry. That happens to anyone ever who challenges these geniuses, these auteurs, these these masterpiece makers. Because every game's a masterpiece now, isn't it? They're so used to not being challenged that when it happens, they circle the wagons, they go into attack mode, they try and discredit and badmouth and blacklist again anyone who doesn't tell them their video games are perfect. You tell them they're great and they'll get angry. I know that. Because my 8 out of 10 score when I had a scale was literally great. And I got shit for it. So, fuck the game industry is what I'm saying. The AAA stuff anyway. Except Monster Hunter, apparently, which I'm now the world's biggest fan of. Uh, we had one other bit of news that was just a nice, interesting thing that happened in the week. Little bits of game history that get found every now and then. A development cartridge for the N64 was found that was thought to just be like, oh, it's a bunch of like development uh, data for some demo for F-Zero-X. And then people digging through the cartridge were like, oh shit, this was probably used at Space World back in 1997. It has an in-development uh, set of resources for Ocarina of Time from before that game came out. Um, in the sort of like, the version you see in a lot of old trailers that got changed quite a lot before it came out. There's a lot of really interesting stuff in there. People have been digging through and uh, finding items that never made it into the final game. Uh, instead of playing songs on your Ocarina, you used to get each song as its own item that you would equip. People finding dungeons that got scrapped um, and being able to load them up. There was apparently a power-up that would turn you into Nav at one point was a thing. Yeah, there, there's there's just a lot of cool, interesting little things people have found in there. People are working already on trying to get this demo playable. People have managed to open up sections of it in debug tools and get things to open up. But yeah, it's just a weird little insight into... Here's like a 20-plus year old demo of a game that a lot of people consider to be the best game ever. A real nice little time capsule, and people are finding a lot of a lot of interesting things about like the process of that game coming to be. And that's always... I, I always find it fascinating with this kind of stuff surfaces after that long. Yeah. Just a n nice little interesting story to, to read about. We like nice little interesting stories. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's better than cyberpunk all the time. And I say that as someone who constantly talks about cyberpunk, despite having never played it and never will. <laughs> I can get hold of it for no money. I just can't be fucked. Yeah. Play Monster Hunter. I mean, there's nothing punker than that. There's nothing punker than cutting the flame sack off a turkey T-Rex, folks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, should we should we finish up here? Oh, I tell you what. Yes. <laughs> I tell, tell you what. I tell you what. You can tell me what, Laura, what you do on the internet for ever listening and a read and a look at it. Oh, uh, me? Laura K. Buzz in those places. Twitter, that's where I talk about things. Twitch, that's where I stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. 
uh, YouTube. Every Friday, I put up episodes of Accessibility. It's a show about accessibility and representation in the games industry. You should go watch that. Patreon, that's what pays the bills. Like, a dollar or a euro or a pound a month really is is what allows me to do this full time. Uh, super appreciate those of you who support me there. There is also books. Uncomfortable Labels, that's one that exists now. It's about being at the intersection of autistic and trans, and you can read about that. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt that comes out in, like, two weeks. That's real soon. It's got video game character butts in it, and a bunch of pictures and words. Then there's Gender Euphoria, which is just a bunch of non-cis people telling their positive, gender-affirming real-life stories. Just a little bit of positivity. Then there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt, it's about video game porn. Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where I talk about things that aren't exclusively video games. Dice Funk, it's a Dungeons & Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and soon season 8. With Conrad. Conrad's on Dice Funk. Oh, indeed I am. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. Just come, like, chill with me on a stream. I'm on Twitch, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 2 p.m. to 5 p.m. And I'm going to start a Sunday morning Spelunky run, Ooh. I think, because I've been itching to get back into Spelunky. Ooh, I'm in on that. Yeah. I'm in on fucking that sun. You know I like watching you do the Spelunkies. Yeah, so I think we're going to start doing that probably maybe even this Sunday at like 10 a.m. Eastern. So come hang out there. Other than that, you could purchase some anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com or maybe get an audio book from me at conradreads.com or just listen to me on other podcasts. There's a new Boston's favorite sun coming, which is hot. It's a real good time. Do that yeah. with with my my lovely friend Jim Sterling, who you have a you have a Patreon, don't <gasps> you, Jim? Oh well, let me just check. Fucking hell. Yeah, patreon.com slash jimquisition. You can go on it and put money on it if you want. Uh, I'd be much obliged. I'd be much obliged, ma'am, I thank you. Just thought I'd be a bit of a cowboy for you. I mean, whatever gets the money in, you know. Uh, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling as well. I go on there. I play Monster Hunter. I'm the world's number one top-ranked Monster Hunter world streamer. Thank you very much. Be speedrunning that later, you know. Uh, will we get hey, good hey. or bad RNG? Who knows? That's a term I know. Hey, Jim, yeah, Monster yeah. Hunter 4 has never been speedrun because <gasps> it takes about 80 hours to see the end credits. If you oh, can brilliant. just play it on stream, you it. could yeah. be the world's fastest Monster Hunter 4 speedrunner. Has no one ever done, like, the multi-part thing, or do they just not do that? Is that not on Vogue anymore? Oh, no, you've, you've got to do it in a single run is the problem. They want the marathons. Wow. Yeah, they want the marathons. So you can go sleep in between, but you'd, you'd have to just leave the stream going while you have a nap and come back I to it. But if you finished it on stream... You could you could get a record. I might wait for someone else to have a crack at it, and and you know, like find enough exploits to maybe like chew the thing down to like sixty hours. Then I'll, that's yeah. more reasonable. Then I'll give it a go. <laughs> uh, I think that's it, though. I think I think that's it. Uh, well, if you go on IWTV, the hit list too. It's like an indie subscribe like website, and if you like indie wrestling and there's some real good fucking shit, um, you can go subscribe there. But if you do, then go uh, look for Wrestlers Lab, the hit list too. And I, I commentate the main event on that, MV Young versus Big Calix, and uh, I really liked it, and, and the match is great, and, and that was my first commentary gig, and I think I fucking smashed it, so... Check that out if you want. Um, I put like a retweet of me calling the big uh, superplex. That was fucking amazing. Anyway, that's it. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, it is about half an hour till we see what the fuck happens. Again, hopefully just a boring letdown of a day. God, that'd be great. God, I hope politics just is mostly boring. Wouldn't it be great if today was just a really boring day? Yeah, God, if she, if Hillary had got in, right, for dull years. I mean... I mean, don't get me wrong. Things wouldn't have changed and the world still would have been shit. But we could have been bored and not terrified. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell. Anyway, that's enough of that. I don't want to get political on a video game podcast. No, anymore. that's inappropriate. No. No, no this is a, this is for video games only and maybe occasionally come face game. Oh, God, I can't wait. can't believe I ordered that. <laughs> um... Well, there you go. I'm sure we'll both have more and more to say about Comface Game in the coming weeks. Oh. We'll, uh, oh, God. We'll see you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>